Hi, entrepreneurs and small business owners. It's a fact that the last 12 to 14 months have been very tumultuous for small business owners, whether it's business to business or retail or food service. But what if your business is both retail and food service? Um, today, it's my pleasure to have Kari and George Grossman, owners of Happy Lucky's Tea House, on the show. Um, we've had a great, we'll have a great opportunity to see the challenges and talk about what they've faced throughout the economic environment changes that we've seen in the last 12 to 14 months. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to them about their story and, uh, finding out what's worked and maybe a little bit of what hasn't worked. Um, we'll see. So it's time to get caffeinated. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. I'm Stephen Krause, and this is Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast where we blend your passion with proven business principles to create practical, actionable, sustainable solutions for your small business. All right, so there's a little housekeeping to do today, just uh, uh, the usual stuff. What's in it for you as a, as a viewer, as a listener? Um, we do uh, real real world business tips, interviews, topics, and today we're going to have real business owners who are getting things done. And that's something that I feel is, is really valuable. There are a lot of uh, podcasts and live streams and other media uh, out there that um, isn't always about the nuts and bolts. And that's what's in it for you with Up and to the Right. I really want to make sure that this is solid value that we deliver every, every episode. Um, if you're watching live, I appreciate that. If you're listening to the podcast after the live presentation, um, the show notes will be at HTTPS B50P.info forward slash zero six one, same format as always. And, uh, all of the links and information that we share today on the show will be on the show notes page later. So, um, with a, with, uh, no more ado, let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, in, or I'll just introduce Kari and George. Um, Kari and George are, as I said earlier, the, uh, owners of the Happy Lucky's or not the Happy, I'll get this right. Happy Lucky's Tea House here in Northern Colorado. Um, I'll let them tell a little bit about their story before I, I bring them on. Um, my wife and I, uh, met them. Actually, my wife met Kari through their work with Sustainable Schools International. And so hopefully I'll let Kari talk a little bit about that as well. Um, let's, uh, let's bring on Kari and George. Hey, Kari. Hey, George. How are you? All right. Hi, everybody. Hi. Oh, right on. You're Hi, there. Okay. Hey, so, um, uh, why don't you guys give us a little bit of a, an overview of uh, maybe your entrepreneurial journey getting started into Happy Lucky's Tea House? How far back do you want to go? <laughs> Probably the, you know, we started in 2009, about a year after we moved to um, Fort Collins. And what's significant about that is 2009 was the last time the economy crashed. So uh, when we started in September of 2009, um, we thought, well, there's nowhere to go but up from here. If we have any business at all, that's a win. Um, and we started it because uh, when we, we were tea drinkers when we moved here from Wyoming, um, and there was no good tea to be had in 
Port Collins. So we decided that uh, Port Collins needed one. At the time, I was um, uh, the founder and and chief executive of uh, Sustainable Schools International, which does human, humanitarian education work in Cambodia. And I was selling um, silk from Cambodia uh, that I was importing. So we originally started as a, the idea as a um, silk import store and retail store um, to give exposure, raise money and give exposure to Sustainable Schools International. But we decided that that would only draw people in on the days when they needed a special occasion gift. And we wanted to give people a day to, uh, a reason to come in daily. So we thought, well, there's no good tea here, so why don't we start a tea room? So it actually began with silk goods from Cambodia in the front and tea in the back. And after our first Christmas season, we realized the tea was the draw. There was a lot of people in Fort Collins who liked tea and didn't have access to good tea, and so we switched it, and that's when it morphed into Happy Lucky Tea House you see today. How was that? That was good. <laughs> I was there. Perfect. And you, the, and you um, were there. And you were there. I George. was there. I mean, the, 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 uh, the interesting thing is we felt that, you know, starting after uh, the financial crisis in 08 and 09, that if we could survive that, we could survive anything. Yeah, and and, that's, that's and anything me. did not include a pandemic, I don't think. Yeah, we didn't <laughs> really pandemic never came into our purview. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about that as I actually as I read the bio on your website, is you started a business at what at the time I would have argued was the worst time in history to start a business. <laughs> and and then here we are transitioning into uh into uh the the uh the covid crisis um the it, it's always interesting to me how how business shifts though so you started actually as a silk importer which i i actually did not know that um so i i'm learning something today too which is awesome um but and and it, was that a a comfortable shift or was that scary well it's scary you know i it was it's, it's, sorry go ahead it's, it's interesting because like when i think about the work we did in cambodia and um you know like every day when my kids go to school and they leave i always say use your brain ask lots of questions and so part of that is it's scary because what we know and what we don't know and so the whole key to that is knowing how to ask the right questions and find the people that can help you and so we knew about silk import. We didn't know anything about tea, except that we love tea. And we saw that there was a need for it. And so we went out, I started learning about tea. I went to some tea classes, started like really studying tea, but like I didn't even know how to price tea. And so I have a friend in Denver who knew a woman who had a tea shop and I went down to see her. She spent about two hours with me. And finally I said, how do you price tea? And how much do I buy? And she said, and she gave me a little bit about pricing and she goes, just buy two, two pounds of everything. She goes, in a week, you'll know what sells. <laughs> and she was right. And we sold out at Earl Grey right away. And I ordered five pounds of Earl Grey. And now we ordered 50 pounds of Earl Grey. So, I mean, that's, it's like knowing how to ask that right question and find the people when you're starting out who can help you and, and being honest with yourself about what do you know and what do you don't know and how to find the right help to get it. I would uh, I add to that, uh, my answer to your question, Steve, 
I'm, I'm the marketing department at Happy Lucky, so that's how I think about it. Can you tell he's operations <laughs> and finance? Um, but to answer your question briefly, it was just a response to customer um, customer uh, interest. There was way more people interested in tea than Cambodian silk. So it was real obvious after the first season of Christmas to put the tea in the front and the silk in the back. The, the shop still has information about Sustainable Schools International. We no longer do the silk, but we did for the first five years. Uh, the silk was always there. That's great. So, um I am losing track of my system here. I apologize. Um, well, what I wanted to do while I'm trying to sort this, okay, so uh, a couple things there. First of all, I think there's there's something really impactful that you're saying there about asking questions and and paying attention to what customers really want. And I want to touch on that a little more. I do want to invite people, if you're watching live, um, and you'd like to ask George Ricari a question about their journey or about uh, um, uh, Happy Luckies, please go ahead and throw it in the chat. And I will. Um, and and as we move through the interview, we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll ask Kari and George those questions. So, but getting back to this idea of a asking questions and b paying attention to customer demand and and not so much once you get to the point where you're selling tea understanding customer demand becomes you know to a certain extent becomes a math problem right because more earl gray is sold than something else but understanding seeing that um uh interest on the front end, when you're when you're not known to be a tea shop, when you're when your uh, when your vision was initially to do uh, this silk, um, talk a little bit more if you if you can about how how that that interest developed and how you you talked about how you how you got into it with the 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 colleague in Denver, but how did you? get to the point where you said, oh, it's going to be tea. It's not going to be silk. I'll, I'll take that. So uh, we started in 09. So in January, first week of January, we were going to close and do inventory. And it's a funny story. So we closed for one day. And we're going to count all the tea and all the silk and everything. And, and Kari says, hey, why don't we put the silk in the back, tea in the front, and we'll go through the hot through until like Mother's Day in the spring, and then we'll switch it all around. And and that's when the tea really took off. And and that's when we really knew. And then the second trigger for how we knew it was tea and not silk was we um, we did a change in our pricing for customers. And so we had everything was either you had to buy four ounces eight ounces or 16 ounces. We had discounts at the higher volumes. And when we listened to our customers, they were all coming in and they were always wanting two ounces. And so, and then they said, well, how much would that cost? My staff was having to like, we'd have to figure out how much two ounces was instead of four ounces. And so we, and then the second thing that happened was all of our labels on our great wall of tea. If you ever come in the tea house, we have this great wall of tea and all the stickers were white. And we had these little signs which showed the difference between white tea and green tea and oolong, the different types. And Kari said, she got all the great ideas. She said, we should color code this. So we decided to color code it. 
So once we color coded it, and at the same time, because we had to redo the stickers on the on the presentation to the customer in the tea house, the other thing we did was we went to per ounce pricing. And what I found was instead of a customer buying one four ounce bag of tea, they would buy one ounce of five teas or six teas. So my average order started going up. And I realized that people wanted the breadth of teas, the breadth of selection was important to them. And what would happen is they might walk out with five, six different teas. They'll come back in a week or two, and then they'll say, this is the one or the two I like. Then they would buy four ounces or eight ounces in bigger quantities once they kind of hone in on their favorite. And I was really scared when we sweat, like this is the biggest, one of the biggest fears when we went from four ounce pricing to per ounce pricing, like that was really kind of critical of are the customers going to respond or are we going to kill our sales? <laughs> and, uh, they went for the one ounce pricing and it's been great. Yeah. And that's something that I would, would, I, I can definitely relate to in terms of, of changing that model so that a smaller amount is available. Um, it, you do have to ask that question as, as a business person, you know, what, how is that going to impact my, my, uh, the value of each sale? Am I, is each customer getting enough when they get, uh, an ounce versus when they get four. Um, but it's, but it sounds like that actually was a win for you because you ended up now they're sampling, uh, several different types of tea versus a single one. Let me ask this question real quick. Um, how much, how many cups of tea is an ounce? What does that mean to me as a customer? <laughs> Good question. Uh, we get that all the time. So an ounce will make about seven, eight ounce cups of tea a week's worth. A week's worth. Okay, so that that actually that's a, a good amount of tea for, right. and certainly a good uh, uh, a good uh, sample size if you're not sure that this type of tea is is for you. Um, versus, and, and maybe there's a, there's a value in the lower commitment level than buying four ounces, which would be a month's worth of tea. And then find out that maybe you like something better that where you could invest your, your money there. So that I can see that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And when pre COVID, uh, customers would come in and we would always have two samples, brood samples for them to try. And so, uh, and they were always different. One had caffeine and one was herbal and they'd be different every day. And our whole idea for sales was around sampling, sampling, sampling. So even if a Leafster, our staff, our sales associates called Leafsters. So even if a Leafster is, is we're sampling teas for potentially a new supplier or we get some new teas in or we're making a new blend, we would take those samples and we would then go and, and share them with anybody who was sitting in the tea house at the time. Because we felt if everybody got to try so many teas, they would not just have one favorite. They might have two favorites or three favorites or five favorites or favorites in the morning, favorites in the afternoon. And so, I mean, you can drink tea all day. You can't necessarily drink coffee. Certainly can't drink alcohol all day. <laughs> so, you know, I, I like I got tea for you in the morning. I got tea for you right before you go to bed. I would add to that as well as that experience of sampling and sampling, you know, in the day at the tea house, whether it was 
you know, bringing it to the tables for people who were there, people who would um, sit at the bar stools and would always get these like opportunities to taste the newest teas that came in from some, you know, amazing uh, remote location, um, is that the, the, the sampling of the teas showed us a lot of our developing our strategy of for sales and how we work with our employees and training. Um, because when people first come to tea and it, it, they're, they're usually interested in, in, in herbal teas. And a lot of our teas are pure leaf teas from China and Taiwan and Japan. And some of those uh, teas are more expensive, but they require a more uh, refined palate. In the same way, people who are new to wine might like, you know, less expensive wines that aren't really as interesting in a in a flavor profile kind of way. But as they get into it and learn and learn and learn, that they get interested in more interesting and more expensive types of wine. The same thing happens with tea. And so people who are longtime customers might have been someone who never always came in and for herbal tea or tisanes is what they're known as and um, then in one of these sampling situations they might have tried their first pure leaf tea from China uh, or like what we're drinking today tea Kuan Yin iron goddess of mercy which is an oolong from Taiwan you know they wouldn't necessarily pick that by name or by interest at all but oh I'll try it and then all of a sudden these longtime customers we call them working them up the ladder so we have people who are now been customers for five, six, seven, eight years who have shifted totally to pure leaf tea and they buy them in larger quantities because they've, we've created a value for them in the experience that's beyond just the tea, but the whole story of the tea and what they themselves know about tea. And then they like to share that story and conversation with their friends and colleagues and sometimes first dates and things like that. Awesome. So um, I did want to ask you about something because, and this is something, well, first of all, I will confess that we have show, uh, I, I actually texted Deanna this morning to ask how much happy lucky we have in the house. And it turns out we have a whole shelf dedicated to it. So there you go. Um, but um, I, I did want to ask, uh, so my personal experience with, with that kind of, of thing was going into your store and of course the leafster said, what do you want? And I'm like, well, I don't know tea, so I don't know what I want. And I, I said, um, I think at that, on that day I was having trouble with my sinuses. And so I said, I'm having trouble with my sinuses and it didn't take her two seconds to know what to brew. And so <laughs> what I was curious about is, is, is that a, is that something that, that you have trained people i mean to me that seems like a really odd request but you know are you training people or or are you finding people to work for you that that just know this stuff so i'll answer your question two ways uh first is part of our training is you know a lot of sales a lot of businesses what is the customer's problem what are you trying to solve and, and I don't quite look at it that way because I think people who drink tea don't have any problems. <laughs> so, but they come in and we've identified through time that there are three types of customers. The first customer is what we call kind of our social ritual customer. And this is what we train our staff on. And so when that customer comes in, 
they don't necessarily care what they're going to drink, but it's more about who they're drinking with and the ritual around that tea and drinking that tea. The second would be your tea connoisseur. They want to know this tea Kuan Yin, where did it come from? What season was it? What flush am I drinking? What, what uh, steeping am I on? How's this changing flavor over time? They get really nitty gritty. They're kind of your real foodies of tea. The third is for health benefits. So, which is what you came in for. So you came in for a health benefit and you were having um, some sinus issues. So one, we train the staff to identify when the customer walks in, if they started talking to you about tea Kuan Yin or what's the difference between oolong and green tea, it would have gone right over your head and you would have been out the door and we just lost a customer. So one is to identify why that customer came in and we do it through questions. So we teach the Leafsters to ask questions. And, uh, and so, and then the customer will tell us enough. And then we really have three wellness teas. They're in our wellness line of teas. Um, Be well, cosmic cold and koala bear nasal care, which is the one they probably gave you. And so they know that and we train for that. And our training is pretty, is pretty simple. The, the, the first 20 shifts that they're on, we have three teas that they drink through a series for their first 20 work sessions. And so and it starts fairly simple, like what's the difference between a white tea, a green tea, and a black tea? By the end, you're tasting three Chinese green teas and trying to figure out why they're different. And then when we do our tastings with our Leafsters, it's, we don't taste one. If you just taste one or you sample one, or even if you're home or you're drinking a wine or, or something that you're drinking, if you drink one, your answer is either do you like it or you don't like it. So tasting in threes is a great way because now you're like, well, what does this one taste like? What does this one taste like? What does this one taste like? So when we're training, it's never about do you like it or not like it. It's how does how do these compare? Is it more vegetal? Is it more floral? Is it a little asparagus, uh, more like asparagus or broccoli or or gingers forward or gingers lingering on the back of your throat. And we start talking. So our training, it's hard for us to find leafsters that have a lot of experience. So a lot of it is around teaching them the vocabulary and teaching them to trust their palate. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do with the customer is teaching them to trust their palate through our guidance. And I would add to that, that your experience, Steve, of coming in for not knowing anything, being a new customer, which is obviously how we built the business, because most people don't know a lot about tea, because we're American and we don't have that embedded in our culture. Um, They come in for a health benefit. Usually it's either uh, immunity, you know, some kind of a cold situation, sleep or weight loss. And... Mm. They begin with those issues in the different teas, and then they learn how powerful, not only how good it tastes, but also how powerful tea is. And that's what begins that 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 step up the ladder that we talk about, taking them through the whole tea wall over multiple visits, over multiple years. And that's product knowledge. And anybody who's in sales or any business out there that has that is in the sales business, it's product knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's shift gears a little bit and and talk about as 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 we know and as I alluded to in the introduction, the the economy has changed in the last twelve to fourteen months. And what I'd like to get from you guys is what was the first sign that let you guys know that the economy was changing for your business? 
having to close the door for two months, three months, wasn't it three months? Well, it was, you know, in March, I think, end of February, beginning of March, you know, I think the entire country was starting to get signs that that there's going to be some shutdowns. And and I think that really for us was when the sports shut down, it was like, this is coming to us. And so uh, I think it was March 23rd was a Monday was we we have two locations. Uh, and so we closed uh, we opened that second location in 2016. So we closed that second location. And because uh, we just couldn't keep it open, nobody was coming out. And uh, I mean, our food service, which uh, which is coming in, having brew tea and sitting in the sitting and getting snacks and or taking something to go. Uh, I mean, we were getting five customers a day by the end of March and early and through April, walking in the door, and which is nothing. But as a as a restaurant and licensed as a restaurant with food service. We were allowed to stay open and we pivoted the business and started offering store pickup and local delivery and and online and on, and online and shipping. And so that really is what what saved us. It's kind of a, a unique situation in that, you know, our main store is the, like the food service, brood service was on par with our retail sales or, or, or kind of the funnel uh, for pe- retail sales. And we immediately had to pivot to the strength of the retail side of the business through online ordering. We were lucky in that we had already designed and launched a new upgraded better e-commerce website in November of 2019. So it wasn't like fully um, uh, each page dialed in marketing wise, but the functionality of ordering was there. George was very quickly able to add the curbside pickup and the local delivery. Our son was the delivery driver. Our high school son ran around town delivering tea. Um, in our marketing, we notified our customers right away of, you know, we the vi- challenges we faced and this was our solution and we needed their support. And people, I mean, people spent their first stimulus checks with us. Um, to support us and keep mm-hmm. us open. Um, so it was a quick pivot at the beginning using tools we had in place, um, cutting our cost of labor immediately, um, supporting our Leafsters in that who, you know, our immediate interview of Leafsters was like, how many shifts do you absolutely have to have to pay your rent and buy food and survive, pay your car payment? And so we kind of took that information and we spread it out. And the, and the people who said, you know, I, I live with my parents or I, I have a roommate, whatever was the case or, or could go on unemployment. They did. We worked together as a team to figure out how to do that. Um, and then the other, I would say is we never from the beginning, were like, Oh, this will just be for a few weeks or a few months. And then we'll open back up and do the same thing. We knew right from the beginning, it was going to be a long haul and probably a year. So the entire time from that time forward, we started really working on both the functionality of our website, the marketing of our website, and then our back end to order fulfillment. That's great. So one of the things you said there, and, and I, I just, it, it struck me, you said you were lucky that you had already developed the online shopping and, and, um, the, you know, I appreciate the, the, the sentiment, but I, I wonder, you know, I obviously, I'm not suggesting you knew that the, the pandemic was coming, but, but I think that to identify that 
um, I, I identify that as forethought, not so much in terms of, oh, some horrible catastrophe is going to happen to my walk-in traffic, but always what, what I, what I hear from you guys every time we talk, you know, today and actually, you know, anytime we've talked before is, is there's always an exploration of the environment, the, the economy, the, 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 the economic environment that we work in and live in. And, um, so it, I just, I, I think it wasn't luck to me. That was just part of a solid uh, approach to, um, to business. Um, and I just wanted to point that out. I, I, I love what you guys were talking about, about how you worked with your staff, because it's very hard, um, as a business owner. And sometimes people don't really understand, um, you know, in the news, when people get laid off, it it's like it's corporate people who or the impression is that it's corporate people who don't care about their employees or whatever. Um, as a small business owner, sometimes you have to make the same decision, but it it's gut wrenching. And um, I I totally appreciate it. I love how you how you did that. Um, I also. I also really like that sports was your trigger. That if, <laughs> if sports was going to have a problem, we were gonna, we were all gonna be in trouble. Um, Nobody knew who Doctor Fauci was then. That, that's well, and now, yeah, now now he's pretty much a, a household name, right? Um, you you already touched on the implementation a little bit, and uh, uh, and and what the pivot looked like. So for you guys, the pivot really was. Um, at least at first, okay, we've got to shut this store because it's not driving enough traffic and we need to move uh, online. And, and it sounds like that was very well executed. Um, after that, what, what kind of pivots did you have to, or, or tweaks did you have to do in your pivot as, as you moved past maybe April, June, you know, and July, stuff like that. What was there additional shifts and, and additional things you needed to change? Well, there were, there were a couple other things going on in the, in the, in the, in the background. And so, um, you know, I'll give a shout out to Shopify because, you know, we started our first website in 2013 and we'd been on a couple different platforms. And so there was this whole back end thing that we were trying to do to become more, more efficient. And Shopify had the tools there. And so additional shifts is, is that, you know, recognizing that people were, were doing subscriptions. And so, you know, it took a little while, but, but we were able to add a subscription element to what we were doing. We pretty much pulled all the advertising dollars that were going to go to anything that was promoting the brick and mortar tea house and all that went into plus more went into uh, Google ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and then expanding our shopping channels to be on Facebook, Instagram, Google shopping. I mean, all these tools are there. And I think that, that this was in our business plan that was probably going to take a year or two to do. And all of a sudden it was like, we got to do this in six months. And that became the 100% focus. And our back tea room, I mean, I know, Stephen, you've been in the tea house. You know, this back tea room, you know, where we used to have four floor tops and some nice comfy chairs to sit in, 
that's our shipping station. <laughs> and so when it was, when we pared down the staff, I mean, my general manager and master blender, he was the chief guy in charge of shipping <laughs> and our wholesale went to, it didn't go down it went to zero. So we had no wholesale orders go into coffee shops and fine dining restaurants and all the places that we wholesaled to went to zero. And so he came back and started working on the floor. So everybody, st- I mean, I started making deliveries and we all started doing other things and they were well outside of our normal, what's say pre predefined responsibilities. And so that flexibility in the nimbleness of the business and in the team that we have was able to, to, to follow and just do what we needed to do. Um, and we reduced hours. And the sec- last thing um, I'll say is that we also work with our landlords around rent. And, uh, and, um, uh, and that's about all I'll say about that. <laughs> we can't go into details about how that worked out. I want to add from the marketing department that, you know, yeah, I mean, I have an annual marketing calendar that on March 23rd, I threw out the window. We were doing March Madness. We were in the middle of March Madness, yes. which is Ma- our which is like, matcha madness. we call it matcha madness. We, 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 and every day for the month of March, there are two teas to taste and the customers can vote with a ticket on their favorite. We go through a bracket situation and we have a tea champion at the end and whoever guesses that <clears throat> Um, get some free, you know, swag and prizes and stuff like that. So we are in the middle of that when the shutdown happened. It's like one of our biggest marketing campaigns of the year. And the entire calendar went out the window. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, first thing we got to do is pivot marketing message to here's our struggles. Here's why support us. Here's how to support us. Here's how we're supporting you. Then we started act asking for reviews. Here's another way you can support us. You can earn loyalty points by um, referral and reviews. And then, um, of course, our tea house business is often based, just like we talked about at the beginning of this interview, an in-store experience. Um, how can we bring the in-store experience of tea education and the knowledge of our Leafsters online? I started online tasting videos. We have over 200 teas that I had to video people tasting and giving the health benefits, the flavor profiles, all the things we talked about. But from the beginning, uh, uh, we knew that no matter what, all of this had to prep for holiday season. We, that entire time, we paid our employees and didn't pay ourselves. Holiday season was make or break. So that's when we brought in things like the tea subscription and making sure all those videos were done and making sure we had all those on uh, marketing um, dollars spent correctly with the right ROI um, in, in the online environment so that you know, as we ramped up in October, November, and December, 40% of our business is in November and December. And I think we got there by what we consider a miraculous win is we were only down 15%. Well, the year we were down 14, 15%, but December was only down like four or 5%, yeah. and which, was, which is amazing Big to win. us. And it was huge win. And, you know, January was was down again about 12, 13 percent. But, you know, January of 2020 was up over 2019. So we were on this upward trajectory. Um, But we've also become more efficient. So our, our costs are down. So even though sales are still down from last from pre COVID by having better control of costs, 
you know, it puts us in a better cash flow position and, and profitability position. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, uh, I think I think it says a lot about um, the your willingness to look at your business model early and quickly and adapt. But it also says a lot about your relationship with your employees, you know, or uh, well, them too. But I uh, I meant customers in terms of being able to communicate with them and um, you know find new ways to to uh, to to communicate with them to speak to them, but also and say, hey, uh, we're a small business. We're trying to to get through this, and uh, please don't forget about us. I mean, if your ritual is to come in and drink a cup of uh, a cup of tea, and that ritual gets broken because you're staying home, you know, your ability to to maintain that relationship through the pandemic um, is is, you know, to me that's that speaks volumes about about the the shop in general your business model but also your communication with with your customer base i love that so so kari mentioned the customer who came in and spent their their uh stimulus check i mean they came in and bought a 500 hundred dollar gift card <laughs> and and they've been longtime customers and i and i called them up and i thanked them <laughs> and uh and I and I said, why did you why did you do this? And she said, we picked three businesses that we really want to make sure that they succeed, and you are one of those businesses for us. And a five hundred dollar gift card. And I went back and you know Shopify is a little big brother. I should go back and see how much they spent. And I mean, it took them over a year to spend five hundred dollars. And I was like, you just gave us five hundred dollars. It was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it gives me goosebumps still talking about it right now. And, and we have others like that, but it was like, that's why, I mean, your customers are like gold and you, you, you take care of them. They take care of you. And, you know, I've got, I could spend another hour just talking about stories of customers and the things that they've done for us and we've done for them. And, and, you know, in the end, when we, you know, when we think about why we started the, the tea house, it was about community and connection about bringing people together. And that's kind of what tea is. I mean, tea is the beverage of the world. And it's always about who you're taking tea with. And part of the reason we started Happy Luckies was bringing attention to our nonprofit. And, you know, we knew that there were other nonprofits out there. And like, how can we get business, you know, nonprofits and have a place for meetings and have a place for coming together and sharing tea and sharing ideas and sharing thoughts and having discussions and listening to people. I would add to that, literally, it was quite intentional from the beginning to be the antithesis of our multitasking, coffee-fueled, hyperactive world, to be the place to come sit down, be whether it's quiet time by yourself or a meaningful conversation um, with a friend or with a colleague over a pot of tea. Tea has been the community knitting beverage for cultures all over the world for a hundred years. And we felt like our community and really in many ways, our culture kind of was missing that. Yeah. And it, um, the, 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 so I, I am curious, I didn't have this on my list of topics, but I am curious, was there, was there some kind of communication that you guys used, uh, or some kind of, uh, I don't even know the right word, but how did you, if, if you did, how did you help people during this time 
transition that experience that they would have had as a communal tea drinking experience in your shop, how did you translate that or help them translate that to having a, an experience in their home? So, so part of that was that we have this great wall of tea where, where people come in and they experience, that's where the leafsters talk about the tea. And that was the real impetus for our YouTube channel and videoing all the teas. And so we have 200 loose leaf teas. I think 120 of them have been videoed with a, with a personal tasting where just like I'm brewing this tea Kuan Yin now, when Kari was talking, it's like, I take you through that or one of the Leafsters takes you through that. And then part of the other connection, I think at the beginning, you know, I did a lot of delivery, so I got to talk to a lot of customers. And it wasn't just ring the doorbell, put the bag on the ground and run away. You know, I would thank them for, for supporting us and that I'm the owner and I'm out here trying to make those connections with people. And, and I think that just translated. And I would add to that that um, in the marketing department, of course, we um, not only promoted these videos, but we also use social media a lot, like what tea are you drinking and creating community conversation around tea or or the pandemic issues or whatever on our um, Facebook and Instagram and cross connecting, cross-posting, cross-promoting um, with other like-minded businesses um, doing the same. That's great. So um, it, we've talked a lot about what you guys have did that w- have done that was successful. Uh, was there anything you you tried to do or you looked at that that didn't work that that wasn't wasn't successful that you actually had to kind of drop and and move on? Well, that's a hard question. I don't know. We both looked at each other like, huh, <laughs> hmm. what, what didn't work? Um, well, we I know what didn't work. We did actually try to close our second store after uh, we were working with the landlord and we reduced the cost and we knew this was going to be a long-term thing. And we already knew that the way we would survive is by online sales and just keeping our one retail location in Old Town open. That in terms of our finances and our energy and our staffing, the easiest, the best move for us would have been to actually close that store. But we had a year and a half left on the lease and we tried to buy out the lease. And it was a long negotiation. Our lease down there is held by a corporation in Michigan or something. Um, And of course they were dealing with um, this situation all over the country. So it, it was difficult back and forth with the various parties we were communicating with. Um, and we ended up not being able to buy out the lease because m- more important to them was having someone in there. Because um, so that would have that w- that would have made this whole thing easier. We did have to reopen that store uh, at the beginning of August. Uh, we had to do a lot of changes down there. You don't get the same experience anymore because we couldn't do it the same. We have all prepackaged teas on the wall, and we have to staff it with just one person per day. So we had to reduce hours, things like that. Um, so our, bre- our 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 preference would have been to close it, but we had to work out. But I am going to give because I know this is for business owners, and there is this little one nugget, and that is that in that negotiation, which George was mostly doing, and I was you know talking his ear on the sideline. Um, there was, of course, their mo was to get as much out of it as we can, especially with the PPP stimulus funds and all of that, and. Um, Eventually, we were like trying to get it because, you know, we like I said, we had 
18 months left on our lease and over a hundred thousand dollars. Um, so we're like, we, you know, the way it finally worked was we just came back to them and said, look, we get it that you need you. It's better for you if, if somebody's in here, but we have to make this work so it doesn't take our company all down. And the reality is that we signed a lease together based on a market value for this space that no longer exists. And we don't, it's not, I said, it's not fair to either of us that we don't know what the new market value is. Um, for a retail space walk-in traffic. And we won't know until this is over. And so the only fair thing is for us to split that hit. Um, and so we offered to either pay half rent or to pay, um, buy out the lease at the half of what we owed for the duration of it. Um, and that argument won. <laughs> that is a great story. I think for, for, um, a lot of business owners, uh, and and uh, we could do a whole show on negotiation. Um, but the one of the things that I think is really important is understanding um, what the real value of something is. Because what you touched on isn't well. What's the problem? The problem for me is is I don't want to shell out this money. The problem for the for the vendor or the landowner is I need I have people I have to pay. Probably most of them do. And, but you approached it from what's the real issue in terms of value. And so I, I don't want to dig into that too much because I could go on all day, but I, I really like that you approached it from that perspective and were able to, to look at, look past, you know, maybe your own uh, specific uh, perspective of, you know, it's all about cash flow to look at, well, what's the real value of this, of this whole contract or, or service or whatever they're providing. So um, one thing I want to ask uh, is, is there anything, you know, now we're 12 or 14 months into this, we still have a ways to go before everybody's vaccinated and we have, uh, and we, and we see a, a turnaround. Is there anything you're continuing to change or is there anything you would do differently if you knew everything you know now, you know, 14 months ago? Well, you know, Kari talked about, you know, paying attention with, with the government's um, uh, working with small business. And so, you know, we've been really grateful for that because it's really allowed us one for our business just to survive and cash throw through cash flow through last April, May, June, July, when it was really, really difficult. And so we are working to expand our business. And so we're not sitting here saying this is as good as it gets because it's not as good as it gets. And so we're actually looking and for warehouse space and we're continuing to pivot our business um, uh, by starting to work on retail packaging to go launch a line of chocolate teas in grocery stores. And this is what we're working on today. And, you know, I'm not worried about how am I going to open seating in the store as much as in the tea house, as much as I'd love to open seating in the tea house. That's not, it's still not safe for us. It's still not safe for our leafsters. And so we're continuing to, to evolve the business 
because this isn't as good as it gets. And I would say that the the reality is that back tea room we can't open until we have moved what is now the warehouse and shipping department to a new space because we don't want to lose that online business. We've now built up a huge like 50% of our business used to be like under 10 is now online. We don't want to lose that to welcome people back in. We want to keep that and welcome people back in. And so in order to get there, we've got to make these the, of the pivot to a warehouse. And then, you know, we talked, we touched on how do you bring that tea house experience home to people? Well, we've been shipping so much tea that we had to create new packaging that would reflect our business values, our brand proposition, everything that you would experience in the store now has to be on the packaging because we just have these like green bulk bags that are very sort of um, nondescript the story that goes with it is the leaf store who packed it for you. Well, that's not existent anymore. So we had to put it all in the packaging. Well, then all of a sudden you're going down the road of buying, you know, 40,000 bags that you've got to now fill with tea. And then we got to move those 40,000 bags and we don't want to be just doing it through the, the tea house experience um, for our walk-in traffic or our, even, our, even our online and shipping and subscription. We need to really expand our retail wholesale. So we have, no idea how to do that. And we have just signed up for like a course called Retail Ready uh, online that's teaching me, marketing department and our wholesale person, um, how to approach that. And it's wholly new territory. Again, it's learning how to ask the right questions with the right people that have the knowledge that can give it to you. That That's awesome. What I, I, I love hearing the, the, the theme that I'm hearing throughout this whole discussion is always, both of you are always looking forward. I love what you said about this is not as good as it gets, um, because I think a lot of people, a lot of business owners are kind of holding, still holding their breath, you know, and, and uh, everything we've talked about is you guys are, are you, you may have held your breath briefly, um, or, or had some concerns, but you've always taken the information that you had and said, okay, how do I move this forward? What do we do next? Um, I want to talk really quick about the chocolate tea because that's Deanna's favorite. And I just want to, you know, thumbs up. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the last thing, uh, you know, George, you said we could talk all day on this and I believe that's true. Um, but the last thing I want to touch on is I always like to have something that, that, uh, business owners can walk away that's practical, that they can say, okay, this is something I can, I can take this from this podcast or live stream and I can try it in my business today. Now we've already done a bunch, but do you guys have something specific that, that you'd like to leave people with today? One drink more tea. <laughs> rules the brain and fills the heart. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> uh, Business-wise, I would say, and I kind of touched on this a little bit, is that you know, your, your, your customers are gold and your team is gold because we can't do it all, all of this alone. And around that, it's building that right culture. And whether that culture is the culture with your team, the culture that you create and add value to um, for your customers. Like that's the thing. How can you do it where you differentiate yourself 
and you're adding that extra value for your customers. When you can go buy really crap tea in the grocery store right now for a lot less. Actually, you can buy nice tea in the grocery store. Well, not that nice of tea. <laughs> but, uh, but, but how do you add value? And that's like, how do you figure out in whatever business you're in, how do you do it? And for us, it's around the education and the experience. And whatever your business is, there is that value proposition that allows you to differentiate yourself in whatever your market is, because there's always competition. And so how are you going to do that? And I would add on a totally different note is obviously, you know, we couldn't have done this without our local community support, not only our customers, but also our, our city government, our county government, even our federal government has, and even just, um, there's been so much in the narrative of the pandemic about supporting small business. And we needed that before the pandemic. We needed people caring enough about their local community businesses to choose to buy with them instead of Amazon. The big box stores are not our competition. Amazon is our competition. And being able to have our son deliver your tea that day or the next day instead of three weeks from the Amazon Prime truck um, is, is, is a value. And um, we were able to make all of these pivots because we, both of us, but George especially, is very involved in a lot of community organizations and in the community government stuff. And, you know, the people who are working in those jobs are, are trying to help, but they can't, they don't know what help you need if you don't communicate to them. So it is worth the time to go to the meetings, uh, you know, answer the emails, tune in to the, you know, podcasts or whatever offering they have, staying in touch with the health department, all these, there's a lot of entities that are really trying to help the small businesses, but it's not, you know, super coordinated. So you have to be proactive. That's that's fabulous. Um, I want to thank you guys for uh, joining me this morning. And uh, uh, I guess before we go, uh, do you guys want to shout out the shop? Yeah, well, yeah. it's happyluckies.com, Happy Luckies uh, Tea House. Um, and uh, you can order online and we'll ship it all over the country wherever you are. Um, and watch the videos. I mean, when you get to a T um, on the T page, just click on a video and just know that when you order, um, you know, the Leafsters are going to hand pack your order. They're going to pack it just right. They're going to send it off to you. Um, there'll be a little swag in there as always. And um, if you really love teas, tea subscriptions are great. You get never run out of tea and try some new things. We have some um, subscription boxes that are that are on different themes. So if you want to try some teas, uh, you want to gift it to somebody who doesn't live mm -hmm. here. Um, there, we have some gift boxes that every tea every month has a different uh, set of teas to like introduce you. Like if you are interested in pure leaf, but you don't know anything about it, we have a whole story to take you through by sending you four teas every month. So send it, you know, yeah. help us spread the word by sp sending tea as gifts to people who mm -hmm. don't live here. I mean, our mission is to nourish your happy and we just do that through tea because that's what life's all about. That is great. I have to ask one question because we're socially distant and you can't throw something at me. Can I make tea in a coffee pot? <laughs> if you want your tea to taste like coffee, absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> we sell plenty of low price, medium priced, and expensive teaware to keep your tea pure. 
So the answer is no, I can't make tea in a coffee pot. Is that right? I would not do that. <laughs> not unless you want your tea to taste like coffee. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Our pleasure. Okay. What a great conversation. I'm, I really appreciate Kari and George joining me this morning. Um, as I said before, there will be uh, uh, show note episodes at HTTPS B50P.info forward slash 061. In the show notes for that episode, I will have uh, a link to Happy Luckies. I will also have a link to their YouTube channel. So you can check that out. Learn more about how to make tea the right way without a coffee pot. And uh, if you... Uh, have a, a tea experience or you have an experience around the pandemic or around how you pivoted, please leave a comment in the, in the description or in the comment section of the video. Uh, if you found this video helpful, uh, it helps my channel. If you like it, subscribe, all of that stuff. Um, and if you're watching the replay, subscribe to the channel by clicking the logo that you're seeing in the center right now. And uh, there's a full playlist further to the left to watch the rest of the episodes uh, for up and to the right. It's time for me to get back to work. <laughs>